And we're live, everybody. Um, welcome, everybody, to the final Brain Food Live of 2022. Um, it is episode 186. I think we've done something like 49 uh, Brain Food Lives this year, uh, which is a kind of just a relentless campaign. I don't know how we've managed to do it. Uh, but thank you, everybody for tuning in and listening in for the final time this year. Um, and and to, you know, to be on this journey this year with us has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you for giving us one more hour of your day. Um, it is me, I'm Hung Lee. It is Brain Food Live on air. We're gonna talk about the state of recruiting 2022 in review. Uh, so today is really gonna be looking back on the year with a bit of reflection. We've got a wonderful uh, uh, list of experts that are going to com come on and speak on their domain, their expertise, and just talk a little bit about what they think uh, that segment of the market has been. I want to try and make this a little bit open mic as well, because there's no reason why we couldn't get anybody else on screen that has not been scheduled to do that. Um, so if you've brushed your teeth and you've brushed your hair and you've got your camera on and you're decently dressed, Pedro, looking at you, um, then yeah, feel free to raise your hands and we'll bring you on to talk about your particular domain uh, today. Anyway, let's do some basic sound checks because we should be okay on Crowdcast. I'm pretty confident you can hear us all, but let me know, everybody, if you're on Crowdcast, can you hear me? Uh, let me know in, in the chat there. Um, we should be broadcasting this multicasting into LinkedIn. So if you're following this on LinkedIn, if you're one of those enthusiasts that, you know, logs into LinkedIn even on the last day of the last week of the year, um, then uh, then let me know on the comments below whether you can uh, hear and see me okay. I can see myself, which seems to be okay. Um, and we're also blasting this out on Twitter and Meta as well. The remaining bits of social media that are still hanging on in there. Will they survive into 2023? Who knows? Uh, but we're still going to be blasting out Brain Food Live on those places as well until such a time where it knocks us out. Um, okay, um, I think people can hear me okay. It seems fine. That's excellent. Uh, folks, once again, um, I want to uh, take a moment and thank our sponsors for Brain Food Live on Air. Uh, they come on every week and they kind of make sure that this show continues to go. Um, without the sponsorship, we won't be able to run it. I'm very happy to say 2023 is entirely sponsored out as well. So you can also be sure that we've got a full schedule of programming going forward uh, for the next 12 months as well. Um, this week, um, as it has been last couple of weeks, it is MetaView, MetaView AI, one of my favorite companies, certainly one of my favorite categories, uh, which is interview intelligence, interview analytics. I think at the start of this year, less than 1% market-wide adoption in terms of this category of technology. I fully expect by 12 months down the line, it's going to be something close to 10, 15% um, of companies using a technology of this type. That is um, recording and transcribing an interview and then making sure you derive intelligence uh, from the information you've collected. That's going to help you improve the interview process. It's going to be great for interview training. It's going to help you de-bias interviewing. And from a corporate perspective, it will give you an overview as to how good a company you are at the task of interviewing. Um, imagine you're sitting on, on top of a business, 10,000 employees, maybe you've got 150 uh, hiring managers hiring away. Do you know whether they're any good at doing interviews? Well, with technologies like this, it can help you understand that 
and therefore can help you uh, up-level your entire capability of doing this critical task um, uh, uh, in the recruiting process. I think interview intelligence, interview analytics, however which way you want to call it, will be a critical component, mandatory component for a lot of businesses in, in next year. But anyway, why do you want to listen to me talk about it? Because we have got the founder of MetaView. Um, he's going to come on and give us a chat as well. If he's not wearing Christmas uh, a swagger of some type, I'd be very disappointed um, because I failed to find my Christmas hat earlier today. Um, but I'm pretty confident that Sile is not going to disappoint. I expect a jumper. I expect, um, what am I seeing? In fact, I, I can't even see you, Sile. I can see you. Oh, yeah. you've, emer you've emerged on screen, but for some reason, I can't see you, man. Um, why is that? Hmm. Um, hmm. Should be okay. Let me see. Let me save this now. One sec. Oh, oh, there, there he is. He's yeah. back. And Sile, where's the hat? Where's the tinsel? No, I couldn't. I, 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 I thought about it in advance. I thought, okay, I could nip out and get one, but uh, I, I didn't. So what can I say? You same as me. I was like scrambling around. Do I have a hat? I used to have a hat, but I, I don't have it anymore. So it's like I'm back to uniform, as I can see you are. This this, this tells the world we're professional to the to, to the very end, mate. To the very end. Indeed. Um. Well, listen, Sal. Great to see you, and thanks for dropping by. I know it's the last day of the year for you guys, so um, I'm sure you've got other things to do. Um, but thank you for swinging by and telling us all about MetaView. Why didn't you direct to the audience? Uh, tell us why we should care about this. Yeah, I feel like you did a phenomenal job of doing that for me. You like sort of stole all of my talking point time. So maybe, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I think some things I can add to that. So as Hung mentioned, uh, MetaView is an interview intelligence platform. Uh, what that means is we, uh, we focus on helping you really explore the next frontier for high quality hiring, which is understanding what's happening in the sort of the biggest black box in your hiring process, which is your interviews. And with an understanding of what's happening in your interviews, there's a bunch that you can do. You can help your interviewers feel more confident about how to run an interview and how to evaluate candidates. You can help your hiring managers uh, just have much better evidence at their fingertips when they're actually making those crucial decisions, especially if there's like an ambiguous decision, maybe where some folks think, hey, this candidate's great. Other folks are not so sure. Like, let's not just say no to that candidate because we couldn't get consensus. Let's actually go to the details. Or let's not just say yes to that candidate, even though we weren't sure, because they've got a really strong resume and sort of, you know, the, the sort of the cycle continues. Um, and the other thing it does that's really great is it just saves people time. Like efficiency, quality and efficiency are really the name of the game. When you have your notes taken for you uh, and you don't have to worry so much about writing up those really thorough notes uh, into your ATS afterwards, uh, frankly, it just gives you a bunch of your day back if you're a recruiter or an interviewer or, or anything in between. Um, in terms of what that means for companies, we see organizations improve their offer acceptance rates by 16%, 16%, so, uh, which in turn helps you speed up your, your time to hire as well by about 28%. Uh, mileage varies, of course, but uh, we've had some pretty exceptional results on, on that front. 90% um, user satisfaction rating. So a lot of folks will say, uh, a lot of the time we get adopted by recruiting teams initially, and then they roll it out to the broader organization, the interviewers and the hiring managers within the company. Um, and they're sort of, uh, I guess, have a top of mind. Hey, are the interviewers and hiring managers going to appreciate this? Uh, actually, it turns out 90% uh, satisfaction with those interviewers and hiring managers. So that's 90% of our users say MetaView helps them feel more confident uh, and comfortable about their interviewing. Uh, five stars on G2. And um, we just launched a free tier as well. So uh, no excuse not to uh, give us a go in 2023 and, and see what the fuss is about.
free tier the free is the favorite word for all brain fooders uh so folks if this is free to try what, what, what do you get free you get like certain minutes or something or how does it work no, a certain number of users. So uh, if you're a small organization that could do you, you know, that could do you, you know, you maybe you won't even just go, need to go beyond it, but up to five interviewers in the company. Once you go beyond that, then we have a conversation. Oh, I'm super excited. Why don't you just share the link to um, where you can get the free stuff in the chat there, Asile, because I think, you know, why not get into it, folks? If this is not cost, there's a lot of people here that are either recruiting solo or they're recruiting with small teams. Typically, the size of a TA team, I, I think, is generally going to be on, under five anyway. Uh, overall, like the in terms of number of instances you have. Yeah. So there's no reason why this couldn't be deployed to a lot of different companies just to educate them what this category is. Yeah, and then right. if it works, if it doesn't work, don't worry about it. It's not costing you anything. If it does work, then suddenly you've got these optimizations in place in terms of productivity. You could then talk about sort of uh, uh, spreading it to the hiring managers, et cetera, et cetera. Freeze yeah. the favorite word. Yeah. Stick it into the chat stream, man. Um, we'll and make sure people are aware. just to reiterate Yang, i think you absolutely nailed it there like the reason we're doing this obviously we're not we're not sort of a we're not a charity but the reason we're doing it is because we appreciate that the recruiters themselves are the people who are going to advocate for this and for you to advocate for it across the rest of the organization you're really going to want to have touch and felt and smelt it yourself and uh, that's just a really great way to do that. So Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, get on it, folks. Uh, Sire, listen, thank you so much for everything you're doing to the for the community and the wonderful product make, uh, stuff that you're making. Um, let's make sure we're going to obviously be talking more in the, into the new year anyway, but let me take the moment to, uh, to, to thank you for everything you've done um, and also to wish you very uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope you take the time to take a break. Uh, I know you've got family stuff going on as well, so best of luck with all that, my friend. Um, and uh, let's catch up in the new year. Happy New Year to you. Happy holidays. Thanks so much. Same back to you, and thanks for all your work, Hung, this year. I'm sure everyone super appreciates it. So, yeah, thanks so much. What a nice guy. Sayo Majos, man. Make sure you get in touch with him. Uh, just connect with him anyway. He's a good person to follow on place like LinkedIn. Um, and as he mentioned, I didn't even realize, but free tier for up to five people. Come on, get on with it. All right, let's get on with the show. We are going to be talking about review of the year. Uh, if you're not aware, by the way, I've been trying to write a review of the year on the Monday newsletter I'm writing this week in recruiting. So, so on Monday, on Boxing Day, there'll be a release of the final part. So I've done three parts of this, uh, part one, part two, part three, listing 20 things that have happened in recruitment this year, which I think you should be aware of. Um, it's too late, obviously, to squeeze it into this conversation, but I'm hoping to cover some of these topics with you today with our guests. Um, so if you've got any thoughts on, on things that uh, you think have been significant in this year uh, for your business or your segment or your region, uh, do let us know in the chat and let us know um, uh, whether we should talk about it a bit more. Anyway, without further ado, let's bring on our guests. Um, by the way, our guests are going to be rotating in and out simply because of the number of guests we've got and also because of time zone. Um, so I'm going to go firstly with our friends in the Netherlands. I'm just going to bring you on by yourself to, to begin with. Um, a reason why is good to chat with you. But secondly, I'll be interested to know what it looks like on the continental side, particularly when it comes to things like recruitment, RPO and stuff like this um, and how that year has been. So, uh, Dukka, I, uh, I hope I've got your name right. Um, there he is. Dukka, Dukka. Hi, how are you doing, man? 
how do you pronounce it, man? This is like an alien, an alien name to, to people who speak it's, English. It's all know? good, my friend. Duke, whatever. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. Is is it actually short for something? Is it a diminutive of a longer name, or is it? No, it's, no, it's actually not. No, it is sort of. Um, uh, 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 if you go back into history, whatever, it's it's uh, uh, the name means wolf. So whatever, ah. made, yeah, whatever you want to make of it. But uh, I can't make of it anything else of it. I'm afraid. No worries. That's very very interesting. Because uh, yeah. obviously, I don't think there's a UK equivalent. There's an English equivalent to this name whereas sometimes in dutch there is like an easy translation no like true true case. but uh, i haven't met too many people in my life uh, in the netherlands who have the same name but um all good i don't think that no applies worries. to you well to be honest with you i think the homes out there there's like millions of us um <laughs> like i actually set up a group once on linkedin uh, uh a people called hung i think it was called yeah <laughs> it's just just trying to like, create a tribe of hungs out there yeah. uh to see to, because we should we should we should have a group yeah. you know we should you should you should stick up for each other yeah. uh, and i think three people joined it um i did, <laughs> I, I, did I did try it once when i saw somebody else on linkedin with the same name who was in an interesting position to try it in my sales pitch hey we both have the same name do you want to talk he said like oh what are you doing man I think you have to do it in a joke manner. If you have a strange name, then do it in a joke manner, and then everyone might kind of have a laugh yeah, with you, and yeah. then who knows? I mean, because nah, one thing that's interesting with BD is that if you randomize your BD, you'll actually uncover some opportunities. So in other words, BD is typically very, very targeted. Like it has to be this profile, this, this mm -hmm. is all this in to make it accurate. But I think sometimes you take a moment, just do a random thing, yeah, yeah, and then see what happens. And I think you'll uncover stuff that your forensic analysis would not have occurred, and it would actually, oh my god, yeah, best, I get it, yeah, best option. Well, I mean, ever. like in general, if you, if you can't say if you can't handle the word no in BD, then you need to find another game, right? So all good. Yeah, there we good. go and that's all true good. for entrepreneurship as well man yes um that's obviously been your journey i think five years has it been this year for you and we are king very good very good yes definitely uh so yeah the first gem will be sort of the five yeah that we've been in business five years so a bit, bit over five years ago we uh yeah we went to the chamber of commerce to set up uh, set up keen and i think yeah two three months before but i think we had this conversation every time we were online one way or another then i also reached out to you uh back then as well right to pitch the idea a bit and um yeah here we are man it's in the, yeah, and it's i incredible. said don't do it man don't, don't yeah, do it no, yeah. <laughs> and it was, that was the first only the first no no <laughs> no no, okay. no i okay. think i think i endorse you like soundly um but um you but did. tell us about you the did. year man because uh, keen are obviously doing lots of interesting things you you kind of train recruiters you place recruiters into companies you provide yeah. resourcing services so i think from your side you've got a reasonable barometer as the the demand of services um, so if you look back on this year, yeah. uh, 2000, January to now, like, yeah. how can you describe the journey in terms of user demand for your services this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was trying to prep this this chat two minutes before we went live, obviously. But um, I think nonetheless, I think yeah, like everybody else in, in our industry, and I think most, more specifically in embedded and or RPO, like we went flying into this year, obviously, right? Like uh, the demand uh, uh, last two quarters, uh, uh, the year before was 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 insane. And that, that continued into this year as well, where basically I had to sell no for a change, which is something I don't like doing. But that was just what happened on a weekly basis. Like people were calling us, companies were calling us, can you support us with your services? Um, either either back to um, sourcing, recruitment, uh, uh, advisory work, everything basically. And that continued... Uh, 
well well into the, the first uh, the first quarter obviously and then uh, well the, the the terrible thing happened in the in eastern eastern europe right that sort of set up uh, the world and and a lot of other things as well i suppose but also specifically towards our industry um that definitely sort of was the first uh, mark on the wall okay what's going to happen here a lot of uncertainty in general i suppose um that being said the business still continued more or less uh quite yeah more or less untouched into the second quarter but then in the second quarter the first projects the first companies and really specifically in like if you look at our business and our portfolio of clients so we have more than the more traditional legacy larger corporates right from on the one side and the other one uh, is of course fast skating tech companies startup scale-ups uh, later stage companies basically high growth companies and they were of course affected because of the the change in investment climate right so extended runways uh, hiring freezes uh, uh, letting people go whatever so that definitely impacted our uh, our business um, I do feel there's quite a big difference between cities so we have offices in Amsterdam in Berlin I do feel that uh, Berlin got sort of affected a bit more I'm not entirely sure what the data is behind it but my 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 best educated guess was that um quite a bit of funding came from the US and of course the US was hit a bit more than than um uh, than we were in general I suppose uh, and that quite a bit of the funding dried up there and so um quite a few of the larger project later stage companies were finding it a hit difficult to pick up uh, funding basically and that was at least to my with my knowledge my experience to a lesser extent the case in amsterdam where i of course we had to have, we have teams deployed as well of course there were some companies who's like okay yeah it might go a little bit different but it seemed to be a little bit more i don't know relaxed so let's say okay we'll continue the next quarter duke or keen but then afterwards we need to see it a little bit and berlin was made were like okay uh it's going to stop today <laughs> see you later basically so that was a bit uh, the rundown and then to with us it flatlined a little bit uh, uh, across uh, uh, summertime and then after summertime i guess relatively similar to a lot of previous years then i don't know hiring managers or recruitment uh, lead, leadership so they think oh my god i still need to do quite a bit of hiring towards the end of the year so then they picked up the phone again so it stabilized more or less a little bit uh, into the, the fourth quarter but more in general i mean if you look at specifically the type of business that I run and our competition, of course, we've been affected 100%. Um, and you do see yeah, once we engage with, let's say, new projects, new clients or current clients, it's all the same thing, right? So before, like a 12-month contract, no worries. Uh, unlimited uh, changing of resources, whatever you want. Uh, the pricing, you want to go up, all, all good. Um, and now all of those have been a bit under pressure, right? So shorter contracts, shorter um, uh, uh, termination periods, pressure on the pricing if i'm enter a pitch right now um i usually enter a pitch like with two three other companies and if they have people on the bench slash standby you know what's going to happen the prices go like this so um that was a little bit the end of the year um so it's normally end of i don't know halfway mid october i have a relatively good idea what's going to happen in january february march the the, the, the consecutive year that was a bit different so i was still doing uh, negotiations uh, yesterday evening basically uh, and into the night and i've had a few proposals out today as well so yeah just to give you a bit of a yeah quick quick rundown hung wasn't that just an amazing rundown folks um a round of applause for Duka there that you should be like a documentarian or something um because your you, the, the the breakdown there i was just listening to you as, as i was saying and i was just like visualizing a kind of a, some sort of line chart of demand and i think it, you've nailed it absolutely like we everyone charged into this year thinking we just have to the opportunity is yeah. massive let's grow 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 go, let's go, keep go, blasting go. Yeah. through and then, of course, we had this horrific uh, uh, invasion, uh, which 
really did uh, reset the board in my view it completely changed people's attitudes yeah, obviously this issue is much more important but in terms of the global environment i think suddenly everyone thought right the the, the world that we thought we'd be moving into in january uh onward that's no longer there and, no. and all of the growth plans investment plans and so on were, were based on this premise of this world being there world's different it's a, it's a much yeah. more uh, less benevolent world and suddenly you know everyone's more defensive then we had this uh, the you know the, the kind of the legacy of the early deals carried us through q2 exactly Summer, yeah plus the realization big tech crunch and everything yeah. <laughs> that was like yeah. no bueno and then a little bit of a spike sort of q3 and then we were kind of wondering where we're at in q4 yeah, uh, then, yeah. Forward then, yeah. um but I think that um, everyone is probably in that same boat. Okay? I don't think any like one bit of solace uh, that I think ever, all of us can kind of have is to say this is not unique to any particular company. No. Everyone in the same no. boat, no. no matter how you apply to it. Yeah, Yeah, and I totally agree. Like I did a, did a round of sort of uh, talking to my, uh, to, uh, to my competitors slash friends, right? So the, the ones in the UK and the ones in Berlin and the Nordics, et cetera. And I think exactly like you said, Hung, like just everybody's in exactly, exactly the same boat. And of course, if you have a, a larger workforce, um, um, uh, then you might be hit a bit harder if you have a few people, uh, like 10% bench there is a bit different from them. There it is for me, obviously. So therefore the impact uh, for a lot of people has been a bit more significant as well. But I think we all went on, on the same premises, like super high growth coming out of, out of Corona, uh, unlimited free flow and cash, um, uh, uh, and, but nothing is for free in life, right? So I think that's one of the things that we've just had uh, experienced altogether in the course of this year. Um, that just doesn't exist, right? It just doesn't. And then there's a correction in the market, which up to a certain extent, I think is healthy, purely looking from a business perspective. But at the same time, it, it impacts so, so many people across the board that, of course, is, um, is a really tough to deal with. At the same time, I have to say as well that like with our business and the growth that we experienced in the course of the last two years, it was quite centered, eh, focused on, let's say, um, the technology companies and the technology scene, right, where a lot of cash was floating around, basically, and everybody thought that they were betting on the next uh, the next big thing, more or less. But of course, there are different pockets eh, in industries and countries where there is there is still a crazy demand for people. Uh, but then we just need to be flexible a little bit in terms of like, can we like redirect our redirect our resources? Can we make sure that we support other companies as well? Then just um, the coolest, sexiest uh, company in town who just became a unicorn, basically. Well, here's the thing, Ducker, and I think one positive, I, I always try to look at positive, not what the situation, um, yeah. but I think positive we might see is that if we're redirecting investment away from, you know, these super growth unicorns and stuff like this, which ultimately are just like luxury services, really. Um, and now we're perhaps moving it towards things like green energy. We're moving it towards, you know, material sciences. We're, we're moving to, to things that actually might have yeah. significant, more significant impact. Yeah. Um, it could be that we're redirecting finance and people and talent towards fundamentally uh, more productive industries rather than ones that were just kind of floating on top of, you know, the latest gadget or whatever it might be. So, um, so, so that's one thing I think is, yeah, is, is a no, positive. yeah, I totally agree. It's actually quite funny that you, what you just mentioned, because uh, uh, the, the two now three new larger projects that we picked up later this year, we're actually in, uh, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always struggling. Is it clean tech? Is it climate tech? Is it renewables? I don't know. But anyway, they're in the, the in the clean segment, basically, which I think yep. is uh, amazing and which works for us and which, uh, I don't know, and also for in terms of employer branding perspective for us, right? And our, our internal people, of course, are really 
keen and eager to jump on board with those uh, with those type of companies as well and it just makes yeah makes more sense from a, from a, a, a lot of different uh, uh, viewpoints basically and and the final point on this Duka, before i let you go but this kind of switch away from the big tech unicorns uh you know typically us based uh, 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 vc back type businesses i think mm. will always be attractive but it's obviously been hammered from a, a branding point of view crypto has been hammered from a branding point of view and now you see maybe the redirection into clean tech and and biosciences material sciences and stuff like this space tech and it could be that those become the more the, the new cool yeah um and and from a supplier point of view whether you're a recruitment agent embedded recruiter supplier or you're d- delivering services somewhere maybe that's where also where candidates may want to go so there's a big, yeah, no. big flip um in terms yeah. of you know yeah totally agree no I, I totally agree i think it's interesting to see and i think it just like as long as you sort of diversify your portfolio it's going to be just fine right and just to make sure yep. like that like the, the the work that we're doing if you can add value uh, on the left you can also add value on the right uh, but um yeah that's something i think that needs to that we need to be that we are already doing basically so in that sense we're uh, well feel uh, quite um positive and um uh, with an ease of mind going into the next year, but it is definitely a bit different from last year, 100%. Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Before I let you go, took a two questions. Yeah, Are you think was that did you need to do something? No, I want to tell, I want to uh, suggest one thing to drop the um, we all know here in the community, probably the our, our dear friend from Ukraine, Andrew. Um, uh, he's running a, an amazing setup there, right? Stesinko. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a running amazing, uh, uh, of course, outfit in the Ukraine, trying to support people as best as he can. Um, so I wanted to suggest to drop his donate link in the in the comments to make sure that everybody feels uh, free to donate and give a bit away for their Christmas spirits. Why didn't you grab that link, Duka, and, yeah. s- and share it into the chat stream there? For, cool. for folks who don't know, this is a guy called Andrew Stesinko, a good friend of a lot of ours. Um, and, and he, uh, of course, is sharing the burden with his countrymen um in ukraine and he's essentially become a a a, a kind of a a, a a a delivery driver for uh for humanitarian assistance so please make sure you uh, support his gofundme that's been ongoing it's actually been one of the things brain food's been supporting also um and uh, and basically because i know andrew as well that's a, a very trustworthy guy so make sure he's amazing if you, yeah. yeah if you've got anything you want to give by. then Stick it yeah, over there. Cool. I'm, I haven't asked Andrew this, but I, I didn't know what the, uh, whether he'd want to do it. But I'm going to try and get him on Brave Food Lab next year if he's up for it. Yeah, and, we did. Uh, we, we'll we did a, yeah, we did a session yeah. with them to support his uh, his fellow agency uh, um, uh, entrepreneurs to see if they could switch from a traditional model towards an uh, RPO model. But uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you be. I'll leave you be. But you had two questions, or are, are oh yeah, yeah, you, you have t- totally dominated the time, Duka, oh, which is okay. Sorry, but no, it's okay, man. Um, one thing you've learned this year um, that you think, okay, I didn't know before 2022 that you can say, okay, that's a learning for me. Um, and the, uh, the the second question is, what's the best thing that's happened to you this year, man? Whoo, wowee. Uh, those are big questions to handle in a, in a short amount of time. Well, I was actually intrigued with the guy that was just here before uh, with Mate of You uh, and the tooling that he had. So really make it really small, short and simple, basically. I've actually been playing around with a similar tooling as well. And I think in, in the course of the last five years, I've always played around with tools and tips and tricks and things you can integrate left and right. And then one way or another, I'm usually a bit disappointed to the actual impact that people say, oh, it's going to change recruitment forever, basically. But I actually think this thing is actually really, really, really useful, really interesting to to uh, to. Uh, uh, to deep dive into basically so that's one of the things i've been trying to play around with and, and also with my teams etc as well and the best thing that happened to me this year oh wow 
Um, well, I think just I think building the team, uh, sticking with the team, uh, getting through this bumpy year, it's really helped us uh, grow as a company and as a person and as a, as an entrepreneur slash leader. And super grateful to be uh, well to be hanging around with uh, with every each and every single one of them. Yeah, fantastic stuff, Duka. Thank you so much for your contribution. We'll get uh, you back next year. I'm going to basically be over to the Netherlands hopefully soon. Oh, please um, do, and, please uh, do. Then we'll uh, we'll be sure to catch up, man. All right, thanks, man. All the best. Thanks, uh, Hang and go. Take care. All, all the good. Take care. Take Ciao. care. Okay. Bye bye. Great. Isn't he good? He's great, Duka Gyertma. Let me just actually share his LinkedIn here. I usually do this, but I forget sometimes. Um, let me just. Uh, uh, share this through uh oh yeah and ali you're absolutely correct duke has been really good in terms of like sharing um like growing recruiters like getting new people who outside of the industry stepping in and then training them up i think making new recruiters being big deal okay let's bring on another good friend of ours from the netherlands this is bas van de hattard hattard i actually you know i don't really know how to pronounce that bass's second name so let's just stick with bass uh, let's hope he can come on. He's going to give us a bit of chat. There he is. Bass, you've actually changed location. Is that the new color scheme in your wall? That looks awesome, dude. You, Yeah, no, it's 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 been here. You, When you were here, it was already on not, here. Not this color, man. Definitely. Seriously? This color has been in here since I moved in. This was actually one of the first. Well, the only thing which changed is that there's actually now a picture on there where you were part of at the Sydney Harbor Bridge. Ah, perfect. It's the only perfect. thing I've changed. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, uh, Bas, great to see you. I mean, for the folks who don't know who you are, can you quickly introduce yourself, who you are, what it is you do? Um, Bas van der Hattert and I basically I uh, organize events here in the Netherlands on recruit for recruiters, uh, and I consult with companies on improving their talent acquisition. Indeed. Basically. So, and there he is. I've shared the link into his uh, LinkedIn there, folks. So make sure you connect with Bas. Bas, you're also one of these people that there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, about your reflections on 2022, because you've got expertise in these number of things. Uh, but let's talk about one thing that I think you're quite well known for, uh, which is assessments and uh, examining the state of assessments. Um, and I'm talking here, folks, uh, about whether it's uh, psychometrics, whether it's like, uh, you know, video, whether it's whatever it might be, the concept of let's figure out whether this person is good for the job or not. Um, where, how would you characterize 2022 for this? Has there been any major shifts or changes or trends in the assessment space that you can say, you know what, that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on? Yeah, actually, actually there, there have been, um, but um, they're complete opposites of each other. So okay. um, I've seen... A certain group of people being becoming really enthusiastic because of the labor market shortages, really seeing like, okay, maybe we should drop the college degree and actually measure what is necessary for the job. Um, and there are these amazing case studies. And I've also seen the complete and total opposite, especially with companies who bought the wrong tests. And this could either be they bought tests from a provider that they should have never bought tests from, or the provider is good, just not for what they were looking for. And um, of course, they the last group is never uh, uh, blaming themselves for being a dumbass buyer and buying the wrong test. Of course, then all assessments are bad. I've heard multiple people say all assessments are racist because they... Uh, uh, have rejected everybody who has a bicultural background, which is perfectly, uh, uh, if, if you knew what you were buying, you knew that was going to happen. Um, so 
um, I've seen two sides really develop strongly. On the one hand, the acceptance of, hey, maybe the resume shouldn't be the first thing in there. Maybe we should be looking at skills. Um, and I've actually also seen, which is really interesting, the complete and total drop of everything, basically open hiring. I've seen several really nice case studies. And when I'm talking to, to some of my clients, and I, uh, I literally had this conversation like a few months ago from one of the companies where I'm like, okay, we're hiring garbage men here. Why would we need a resume? Can you please tell me what you check for on the resume to see if somebody is potentially a good garbage man? And actually nobody objected when I said, why don't we just, I don't know, give him the job or, or have everybody come in for a short interview or, or... and everybody's like, yeah. Well, a couple of things there, Bas, and I think there's a few things that uh, that I agree with you 100%, which is th there is an acceptance on the dropping of academic criteria. That I would say 12, 18 months or so ago, it would still be quite an exceptional thing to say, oh, this company has got rid of degree, whatever. Now it's like, yeah, of course. Um, and in fact, lots of companies are now doing this. So the recognition that academic criteria doesn't map necessarily to job performance, I think is, is, is now being becoming more and more widely accepted. And you can anticipate if trends go on, that it may become unusual for academic degree qualifications that aren't related to the job itself to be, to, to be, to retain to become a criteria like i would say maybe 12 18 months down the line even further from this it might be strange to see degree required for a job that you know it's not related topically to this kind of function so there's a clear trend there um also you can understand that the assessments have become more widely adopted i think through the the uh, the movement and shift to remote has kind of given obviously assessments a big boost because no longer could you do just the face-to-face -face interview process and accept that was the case. So I think that's been a massive amplifier into the requirement to get more different types of information. I, uh, I, I haven't seen it, to be honest. I have not you don't seen think so? the link. No, I haven't seen the link with remote, to be honest. And I've actually been talking to a lot of companies like, shouldn't we be looking for, uh, can somebody, for example, work remote? You know, can yeah, we, yes. uh, can we test if somebody's, uh, psychologically acceptable to work from home because it takes certain things. And uh, everybody's like, cool, do you have a test for that? I'm like, no, but we should be looking into that. I've actually talked to all the test providers, but there aren't that many people currently talking about it. It's mainly labor market shortages, like, okay, we can't find them the way we were doing. Um, let's Let's look yeah. at talent in a different way. Yeah, you're you're correct. It's not so much the remote; it's the desperation to hire people um, that's pushed this in. Um, but you make a, also a very uh, interesting additional point, which is who is testing for remote uh, compatibility, so to speak. Um, it, it might even still the, the conversation may not have actually matured to the point where we're able to have this conversation because the pre prevailing presumption has been that anybody can do remote equally well. Um, therefore, you know, we should all go remote. I mean, that seems to be still where we're at with the conversation. However, it is pretty clear that certain people have certain contexts internally and externally that makes them more or less suitable for this style of working. And we're not testing for it per se. Maybe that's the next tranche of assessment 
tooling that will evolve to start testing for what is the optimal mode for this person. Although I can understand candidates might be quite reluctant to accept the verdict on that, you know, um, it, it, it's not uh, easily adoptable, even though you can see it's valuable, you know. Um, okay, we're going to move on because you've got lots of things to talk about, Bas. You're also big on events also. You've attended events, you spoke with events, you've held your own events. I think 2022 obviously has been the year when basically people have done events again after a break of two years or so. How, how is your perception of the event space uh, in 2022 and, and how do you anticipate it being in 2023? Um. Well, uh, in 2022, I, for the first time in, in the 17 years I've been hosting events, I actually had to cancel one because there was just no attendance, which was, interestingly enough, an event on selection. And everybody was like, oh, we can't find anybody. So we're not even thinking about selection. So we're not showing up to any selection event. That was uh, a big bummer. I find that uh, basically people are, on the one hand, very eager to go. On the other hand, much more picky. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah my, I can totally yeah. see that. And my I other mean, event actually had the biggest attendance ever. Let me just go back to the other thing. I think the pickiness of the event selection is important because it probably makes, if everyone's distributed or they're remote or whatever, suddenly you're trading in your day at home compared to yeah. being at the office, which if we're honest, folks, you know, if we had an event, we could actually, you know, uh, it's actually an office day. We could sort of say, yeah, that's work. Um, but these days, if we're working from home, comfort our own home, etc., doing our own stuff, sitting in your pajamas, uh, you're thinking, man, can I really be bothered putting on a pair of pants to go to this event? So in other words, our selection has gone up. Therefore, I presume from event event providers, you need to upgrade the, the experience you need to make sure it's better uh, and delivers against what you know uh, to reward that person for turning up yeah and there actually we see a very interesting contradiction what i've noticed is that people love the choice and lots of speakers and and you know a, a mass and then um so i had this massive event i i had more speakers than ever on my my big event in october and all the feedback was it was too much and i've actually noticed that people are unable to do a lot of people have said to me a full day is kind of hard to keep focused and uh, we need more breaks while and, and so uh, it's really interesting that our our tolerance for information and the stimulants that comes with that has gone down over the pandemic very good, interesting very, very interesting. So would you anticipate events becoming shorter half-day events maybe? Or what's your feeling? I, um, I don't know if they will become shorter because then they won't sell because it's too, too few speakers. So mm. I'm not going to travel and give my day away from home for only a few people. I do expect we'll have more breaks, more networking. And I'm, I'm actually experimenting in 2023 with my two events. One will have longer sessions, so, but less. So longer, we'll, longer than an hour, you mean? Like, no, no, um, no, 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 longer than 20 minutes. Right, okay. So mm -hmm. I, I never do sessions above 20 minutes because in the Netherlands, 20, you know, if, if, if it's a bad session and it's 30 minutes, people are like, oh, this guy is slow. But, mm -hmm. uh, and the other one are going to be 30 minute sessions. And I'm going to see if I can figure out, you know, is it, is it worth having longer, but less sessions, um, to check, you know, what, what is the new normal? And we were going down 
in time, at least here in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, it, it's difficult to say. It's so yeah. difficult to say. Uh, uh, one thing I think is true is that events are definitely back. Um, and that's a possible. There was a possibility, by the way, folks, that it wasn't going to happen again. So it, it's great that they're back, um, and great that people like you are still in the game because I know it must be very, very difficult when you're running like an events business or at least partially events business, and then there's two years where you couldn't do it. I mean, I totally get it. So well done, you keeping keeping in the in the game and, and providing these events for us because you know, folks like you decide not to do it, then I don't see anybody stepping up necessarily and like. It, naturally taking on this thankless task so you know uh th this is great that uh you know that's still happening um fantastic stuff um okay bass let's move on um uh, final two questions to you also um as i mentioned as uh, with ducker uh the one uh first thing like what did you learn this year that you didn't know before and you think actually important lesson uh, and the second uh is uh what is the uh the the, the best thing that happened achievement wise or whatever it might be uh for you this year um my learning is uh, actually very much related to assessments. Um, I found out that if you uh, were not uh, educated, so your, your primary school education in what's called a Latin script, which basically we use in, in the West, but so if you've been educated in Mandarin or in Khmer or in uh, um, Arabic, that a lot of our tests actually you know, especially uh, tests which you have to find um, uh, inductive and deductive reasoning with numbers and with uh, letters are actually more difficult for you because you didn't grow up in that language, which, uh, and I was talking to a lot of scientists, like, why didn't you guys ever tell me this? And all of them were like, that makes so much sense. And we've never actually researched it, which actually gives a new form of diversity checks we need to do. It's not just, we have to check when we uh, are validating assessments on, you know, whom, uh, who has a Chinese heritage is scoring equally to what he should be scoring to bars, we actually have to check somebody who learned to speak, uh, uh, whose first education years were in uh, uh, Chinese or, or uh, um, and so, so we're finding out that there are more categories of diversity than we've ever, ever thought of checking for. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, you know, the concept of, uh, and by the way, the linguistic aspect of it is definitely true. Uh, there's lots of like really deep um, realities behind the script that you're writing in. It, it influences how you think and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Just as a little aside, um, very interestingly enough, um, it seems that, for instance, uh, what we think is oftentimes a universal issue, like, for instance, dyslexia is considered to be a universal issue. Um, but I've always wondered, does dyslexia actually manifest in logographic languages? Um, because dyslexia is about the placement of Latin letters into a certain order and the failure necessarily to see that properly and accurately. And that's where you can't read. Um, and it turns out that actually in, in logographic languages, meaning everything is a picture, it people have may have the condition but it doesn't actually manifest um because that's not what they're reading that's not what you're asking that person to do um so when that when that realization came came about i thought whoa that's huge um that means that we really do need to pay attention to what the script does um in terms of how we think and, and all the rest of it so yeah fascinating yeah, no, ab absolutely it's actually uh, i recently learned that it actually might even within different letter manifests might uh, uh, be different so 
Um, oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Um, you look at the accents and stuff like this; like it, it's more complicated. I mean, if you look yeah. at, uh, I forget a language that has massive, like Czech. I think has like like seven different accents, or, or, or Nordic languages have loads of different letters. Even I mean, that's got to make it more difficult. Surely, it's and, the number of letters. And if I can just reference what I said about buying the rule tools, wrong tools. Very often, it's the language issue, which everybody says it's completely validated and it will, will work on everybody. And we've we've validated this, but then yeah. um, they're using academically validated tests on academic persons, for example, for security guards, and that went completely haywire. So it's um, it's not just the language itself; it's also the level of the language. If you're testing, for example, on I don't know. Uh, security guards or or other type of high volume jobs where people come in and, and barely speak the language which but they speak it enough to be employed um, that's very often where I've seen in the last year uh, assessments go completely bad and just as an, another aside on that, there's been some like almost real-time language translations, which we, I don't know whether everyone saw the meta sort of Mark Zuckerberg having a conversation with this person in Hokkien, which is a, 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 a type of uh, Chinese language. And he was speaking English, his interlocutor was speaking Hokkien, and the thing was literally translating it close to real time. And you wonder if that's the case, then maybe assessments need to uh, kind of be conducted in native language uh, and then because you've got the translation tool i can literally do this um so okay listen uh final thing for you go past uh, the the best thing that happened this year what was that uh no no doubt the three weeks in australia and uh the events we did there the people we met there uh whom for me um getting out to australia meeting those people there making so many new friends, learning about the Australian recruitment community, which is just so much more close-knit than anything I've seen in the UK or the Netherlands, people supporting each other, without a doubt, that's, that's the best thing that happened to me. Fantastic. Hopefully we'll get the chance to do that again soon, my friend. Um, okay, Bas, listen, thanks for doing everything you're doing for the community. Um, obviously, we'll be in touch before Christmas or New Year or whatever, but we'll certainly be reconnecting 2023. Thank you so much for your time. Merry Christmas and a happy New Year to you, man. Same to you, mate. Bas van der Hattard, make sure you connect with him. Good dude. Uh, okay, we're going to roll on. It's going to be Joan Lockwood, I believe. Joanna, you're still there? I think so. I haven't spoke to Joanne for a bit. And I think Joanne's actually got a new haircut that she's going to show us. Um, in which case, I'm quite excited. Quite excited, Joe. Look at this. I'm, I'm going to be wowed because uh, Joe's got like a proper studio set up and it's going to look amazing. Um, okay. Joe, are you there? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, there she is. There she is. How are you doing? I'm good. And in fact, it does look fabulous. Um, talk us through the hairstyle. You've, that, that's definitely different. And it's, well, I don't know whether it's because you're wearing a tiara as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, the color's different. Um, very nice, Joe. Very nice indeed. Um, well, listen, wonderful to see you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Um, and yeah, for the folks who don't know you, actually, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, thanks, Hong. It's an absolute pleasure to be back on brain food live my name is joanne lockwood uh my pronouns are she and her i describe myself as an inclusion belonging specialist so i work with uh organizations throughout the uk europe elsewhere um 
working with people people uh, to promote positive people experiences and cultures where people can thrive. So that's across TA, HR, DNI, OD, all those kind of areas. Um, just really getting getting engaged and those those sometimes tough conversations and, and nudge people in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And Debbie, I totally agree. Uh, Joe's the only person to date uh, that has even made a single gesture towards the Christmas spirit. So shame on you, Sile, uh, myself, Bass and Ducker for failing to do anything whatsoever. So well done, Joe, for bringing in some glitter for us. Um, Joe, you're an expert in, um, in uh, as you say, inclusion. Um, given sort of, I'm not sure whether it's even possible to, to look at trends or, or, or to think about sort of where the state uh, of it is, but uh, would you would you mind giving us your view as to as to what things have happened in 2022 that you think is significant or uh, kind of trend wise? You know, where are we when it comes down to uh, uh, to things like uh, diversity and inclusion? Uh, I guess UK to begin with, but maybe you can also speak globally as well. Yeah, I mean, I obviously live in this echo chamber of everything I see on LinkedIn and my feed is kind of DNI biased and focused, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it. Um, as I would, I'm I'm not I'm still seeing people talk about the same things we were talking about two years ago, three years ago. Uh, I'm still seeing many black, brown people of color still frustrated at the lack of progress. I'm still seeing pe- uh, women talking about the lack of progress in terms of uh, gender parity in the workplace. We look at the World Economic Forum. We're now quoting 150 years before gender parity in the in in, in the world. Uh, so I, I don't see the world of work having nailed EDI uh, at all. Mm. Um, mm. It's performative. We're talking about it. And yeah, the, the memories of Black Lives Matter, the memories of, of, of what we were doing about well-being with COVID, uh, when, we all, when we're all in this storm together in different boats, we were talking about well-being and we were prioritising it. And we, we've got the likes of Twitter, Tesla, SpaceX, Musk and Co., Facebook, other other big big tech corps, still pumping out this mantra of uh, having to be back into the workplace. We can't, you know, we can't. Tr- we go back to the old mantra. We can't trust people to be efficient at home. We need them back in the room. So that's actually a really important point, Joe. So what you're saying is uh, there is um, a, a kind of a connection between the place of work um, and the acceptance of difference because. We know, actually, if you give people choice in terms of where the location is, actually, that improves inclusion, obviously, because there's some people that can't come in or have additional challenges to do so. And I'm not just talking about physical mobility, but of course, that's a huge component. Mm. Um, you know, there's loads of people that physically couldn't do it and have been locked out of the workforce. Now, hopefully, this gives the opportunity. But we also need to talk about primary care responsibilities, which falls overwhelmingly yeah. on women, for instance. Um, so so you, you kind of, it's, it's like it, a little bit of a backward step, would you say? It's, it's the generalisation that one size fits all. You know, well, the answer is we must go back to the office. And that's what frustrates me. You know, We need better collaboration. We need better way of onboarding people and knowledge transfer. We need better way of mentoring and, and accelerating people's careers. And the, the equation is equals back in the office. What I'm saying is that there needs to be more thought put into a person-centric approach about what works best for that, that person. And you're right, it's not just about uh, having a disability. It's not just around care responsibilities. It's not about being neurodiverse. We know that some people do work better when they're surrounded by people and they want that buzz. But unfortunately, we, 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 the world of work tends to be dominated by by extroverts and uh, 
and sociopaths. So they're not <laughs> often looking well. It, I mean, it is. I mean, statistics show that most senior leaders are, are sociopaths or, or extroverts or a mixture of the two. So, yep, there's uh, not there's... compassion going on, is there? No, I agree. I mean, I, I do wonder. Yeah, you, you've made you've made the point in a very succinct and I think also humorous way, Joe. But it's a very serious point. I mean, um, it could well be that you know business leaders, you, you know, how how has someone like Musk achieved success, for instance? Um, and you know, there's obviously tendencies of authoritarian uh, approach. I mean, that, that's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even you look at people like Bezos was similar. Uh, people were terrified of Steve Jobs. You know, I mean, you don't have to be that type of person, but clearly you can and it does work so um maybe uh the way in which we reward behaviors needs to be examined you know what how do we how do people become successful um you know is, is there something we could we could we could examine there so yeah go ahead well, i'm a great believer that organizations should be um having eq emotional intelligence compassion empathy humility vulnerability as core attributes and yes i i know that when we're looking at board of directors we want we want to uh, inspire shareholders and investment we need that that stereotypical hard-nosed business person but maybe further down the tree we, we actually need the world of work to be more friendly more open more compassionate more humility i think if we can if we can start breeding our, our our junior and middle managers to be a, a more inclusive leader to start with to bring that compassion in um we're going to we're going to see better better engagement and the quiet quitting maybe prevented do you think that's happening though because if you look at the egregious examples of back to office and your macho kind of behavior they are of the older generation i I don't see like many 25 to 35 year old leaders behaving in that way so perhaps this is like a last reaction of that era of leadership I, i don't know folks what do you think um i think i think maybe what's happened is that the the older millennials have been kind of bought into this world where, as you say, this macho style command and control leadership has been prevalent. But we're seeing the younger millennials, the Gen Zs, uh, looking for more flexibility, more freedom. I mean, I know you, you did a talk the other year about the artisan employee, where we want people to be more creative, so more self-starting. The world of work is changing. Uh, we're not all task-based. We, we are we are looking for people in many organisations now to show a, a level of self-thinking and self and self-management, and more agile working. So I think if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we, we, we'll, we'll try and be forcing a generation who are looking for that flexibility and freedom into a box that is old school. And I, I think if you're looking at workforce planning for the next ten years, we need to be seeing how we can embrace the younger generation and their ideas. And you know what, Joe, I think you're correct. There's a risk. And um, but also I think there's gonna be quite significant geographical divergence on terms of how this operates. Um, because a great deal of this comes down to things like workers' rights and the relationship you have with employers and so on. Um, and, and you know, we're gonna bring on some of our US friends in a second, but I would say that the a reason why, like for instance, a lot of the stuff that Musk was doing would not be doable in the in the EU um, or even in the UK, which in, has inherited a lot of the EU structures. That you can't do that. Whereas in the US, I think default is still um, at will, right? So in other words, the boss can actually fire you, no reasons given, and you, you're gone. So I, I think that that there'll, there'll be legislative the legislative environment will, will create 
divergences in terms of how powerful bosses are. And that's going to be very, very interesting in a world that theoretically where the job could be done elsewhere. Is this an opportunity for European companies, for instance, to pick off great talent because they're going to offer more sort of flexibility? I don't mm. know. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing Musk for making tough decisions. Yeah, losing 4 million US a day is that you have to make some tough decisions or you're not going to be there next week and no one's going to have a job. So tough decisions need to be made. It's just the compassion and care you make those and how you make people feel as a result. So you, you end up alienating not only your entire workforce, but a good promotion, good proportion of your customer base. And, and you know, the, the brand becomes less attractive to revenue in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, looking back on, on the entire, entire episode, is it's a facet, it'd be fascinating mm. to examine the psychology of it. Um, but it, it seems to be predominantly destructive, which was maybe the purpose. So, but anyway, let's not get oh. sidetracked no, 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 on no. Elon. Um, no, but, because but one of the key things about EDI, if you're looking at the business case, I know we don't like always talk about the business case in EDI. One of those is brand values and, and allegiance to your product. So EDI must have be aligned with your who you are, your core brand values. So that's so that's the if you like the Elon sort of like takeaway is <laughs> if you if you're if you're trying to establish a brand, and brand goes into you know we've talked about environmental issues, sustainability, all the other things we're talking about at the moment in the world. That's all part of our brand value, which is part of a, our talent attraction. So we've got to make sure we're creating this alignment. You know, this magic of belonging. You, you want right. to work and be associated with a country, a company that meets your values. And if your values are sustainability and your company is not doing that, it doesn't matter how included you are, you won't feel alignment. And you know what? Uh, you, you'd even extend that to, you know, in the, uh, certainly in the B2C type environment, also to the user community, because as a lot of people have left Twitter, for instance, because they felt such a disalignment with the management, with the new management, mm. they actually couldn't participate in, in, in the thing anymore. So um, you know, it extends beyond just the employee base, but also on people who might use it or in business partnerships mm. or whatever it might be. So very, very interesting. Joe, I've just noticed the time we're flying through this. Um, so um, let me just uh, ask you the same two questions that I asked the previous guest. What's the one thing that you've learned this year that you think, okay, that I didn't know before um, and you will kind of, as a, as a lesson you're going to take going forward and what's the best thing that's happened to you this year, 2022? Wow. That's a lot of questions. I mean, let's, let's go backwards. Uh, best thing that's happened to me is I, I've maintained a sustainable business largely uh, online, largely remotely. There's been very little demand for me to travel, which I think also aligns with the, uh, global values around sustainability and, and minimizing our impact on the planet. And I, I, can see, I see that trend going into 2023. There's, there's still a, a large requirement for online delivery, and, I, and I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Yes, it'd be nice to go and see Andrew again down in Australia and Melbourne, um, but I don't feel any FOMO from that. So, uh, yeah, so for me, maintaining a business online has been, has been really fantastic. Um, what's changed really... It's the same old, same old. You know, in my world, I'm, st well, I'm still having the same conversations. I predict I'll be having the same conversations in 2023. Um, we want, as a lot of, we want to be more inclusive. We want to be doing all these right things, but the reality is, is often there's a disconnect, and it, it's, it's com companies maintain that, maintaining that. And I've seen organisations actually go backwards, where they've had a change of leadership, they've been bought out, they've merged. Um, we've got world recessions at the moment. We've got economic crisis. Uh, and when that happens, we hunker down on, on revenue and bottom line. And some of the nice stuff, the EDI stuff, 
it just goes out the window. So I think 2023, we're going to be hunkering down and EDI is, is going to be taking a backseat. Investment's going to be cut. Training's going to be cut. All the lunch and learns we were doing, all the all the awareness we're doing, all the, the employee well-being, we're going to see a constriction on that. So that's the sad thing, I think, in 2023, unless the economy start moving again. Yeah, I really um, appreciate that um, kind of foresight, uh, Joe, even though it may not be like the most uh, sort of uh, uh, a positive thing. It's a, a realistic assessment of things. I think actually TA also can nest, be nested a little bit within this. Um, like we like to think that we're critical to this, that, the other. Yes, we are in growth eras, but when it's actually constrained and there's businesses are crunching down, we're going to be the first to go. That's just the facts. Um, so, um, so yeah, we need to do a lot of work. Um, Joe, I'm sure you're going to be there and, and doing your bit and more for the community. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Um, let me take the uh, moment to wish you uh, and yours a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Joe. And hopefully we'll get the chance, even though we are a kind of remote first, hopefully we'll get the chance to meet up face-to-face uh, -face again uh, in 2023. I hope at some event uh, that we're going we're gonna, to uh, both be at. So uh, great to see you, Joe, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. See you, everyone. Great. Isn't Joe, Joe amazing? Uh, Joe Lockwood, folks. Uh, wonderful person. Uh, please do connect with her. Uh, folks, by the way, um, I know that sort of now we're, we're kind of well over time, but we've still got Irina Shamaiva to come on. We've still got Sarah Ali to come on. Um, take a moment now, by the way, to take your LinkedIn and share it into the chat stream. I know there's only like 30 people watching this right now on the Crowdcast, maybe 30 again on LinkedIn. But if a few of you connect with more people um, than you did before the show started, then ever the better. 2023 is not going to be any less chaotic or any less unpredictable than it has been in 2022 or indeed the year before. Um, I think all of us will benefit simply from having stronger networks. Um, so everyone who's paying attention to this on the 23rd of December, uh, your people that care about uh, recruitment, care about people, care about organizations, they're folks that you should be connecting with. Uh, so take a moment. Take your LinkedIn profile URL, stick it in the chat stream or on uh, Crowdcast and put it in a comment on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook or wherever, wherever you're watching it. And then make sure you're connecting with everyone else who has done the same. Uh, minimum value you get out of this, you walk away with you know, 10, 15, 20 extra connections uh, that you can know and have a conversation with. Uh, going forward uh, okay let's move on real quick um i appreciate time is sh uh, sort of pressing so we're going to bring on irina shamaiva uh <coughs> sarah i want to bring you on right at the very end um irina of course i'm, I'm sure you know her already uh I'll, actually i'll wait until um irina is um on screen she can introduce herself uh, as is the uh, the form um irina let me just grab her url if she's there that is oh there she is Hey, Arena, how are you? Hi, Arena. Can you hear me? No. Oh, we we can't hear or see you. I'm afraid to say. So audio out on Irina. Um, I wonder whether this may be a Bluetooth thing or something. I don't know. Maybe the mic's off. Um, I'm going to share Irina's LinkedIn here. So make sure you connect with Irina. By the way, um, if you don't know Irina, um, she is like number one person doing sourcing, I think, or at least communicating um, and sharing revelations about the world of sourcing uh, to the world. Um, and hi, Irina. Are we any good? 
No, oh, you're still mute here. Why am I doing that? Let me just toggle you off. Irina, we can't actually hear you. Do you want to try and re... We need to invent a sign language for, for when it goes mute. Um, no? No good? Are you going to plug something in? I think she's going to plug something in. The miracle is going to happen, folks. As soon as it goes wired, that's when we're going to be resolved. Hello? No? Irina, no good. I think, do you want to try and like log off and come back in again or something? I, I don't know whether we should just do that old stuff and see whether that works or not. Um, okay, whilst we're fiddling with the tech folks, uh, one thing I wanted to, is it, isn't it it muted by the app? It could be, I didn't do it though. Um, thank you, Kaya. Um, one thing I think, uh, I'll speak on Irina's behalf, by the way. Um, hello? Hello, Irina? Hello? Uh, oh, we had you for a moment, for a brief moment. We had crystal clear tones of Irina's voice, and then she disappeared. Um, so I think there was <laughs> there was a, <laughs> a possible exit there. Hey, this is live streaming, folks. This stuff happens, um, and all part of the all part of the fun. Irina, you're not though. You're off screen. I can't see you. Um, okay, listen, Irina. What I'm going to do is make sure we're going to try and invite you back at some point. I guess. Um, but, uh, uh, right now I think you're off screen. I'm going to try and bring in Sarah Ali. Uh, stay with us, Irina. We're going to bring you back at some point, um, uh, when we can, uh, we can, uh, pull you back. But, um, yeah, we would definitely, uh, need to, uh, to figure, uh, to, to get your voice back here, Irina. By the way, not the first time in seven. And there's Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Can you hear me and see me? Yes, we can hear and see you well. Um, how are you doing? I heard it's like a winter storm in the U.S. at the moment everywhere. It's like, is it really I'm cold? I'm in New York right now at the corporate office. The Statue of Liberty is behind me. There's a bunch of people waiting for the ferry. So good times. Yeah. does it? Is it? It, it looks cold. I'm not sure if it is. Um, 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Convert that to well, Celsius. So that's like 10 degrees. That's not too bad, is it? That's too like bad. 10 degrees? It's going to get worse, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I not say I hope it get worse, but I'm hearing about, okay, snowstorm. So, yeah, let's see some snow, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, listen, Sarah, for the people who don't know you, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What is you do? Sure, sure. I'm the global economist at Radency. Radency is a global talent tech firm that helps companies solve their hiring challenges. That's what we do. Indeed. And I love to see companies like uh, Radency start, start to have rules like this yeah. um and we're starting to see this happen more i think the more um companies of this type of scale start recruiting economists the better because yeah. we you know we're really big fans of the data and in fact sorry sorry your your sort of content is featured on brain food multiple times this year um because <laughs> of the um no it's i appreciate the 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 the, the, the input so um given your sort of uh, uh perspective can you run us through 2022 in terms of just the labor market? How have you seen it um, as pertains to, you know, what, what is happening and where do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I mean, I can speak a little bit from the U.S., but also from the global perspective. We have, uh, by the way, countries or offices in nine other countries like Canada, the U.K., France, Germany, Netherlands, Singapore, India, Brazil. But U.S. is the headquarters. But long story short, tight labor market. We still have high level of job openings. Right. That's one issue. The biggest issue, I think, honestly, is people don't 
are not in the labor force, right? And there's all these issues as to why they're not in the labor force. We're seeing declining labor force participation rates across the world. It's not just the U.S., right? And it's the long-term COVID. It's the retirement. It's the caregiving. It's the cost of gas going up and then getting to their location. People keep asking me in the U.S. clients, hey, are we ever going to go back to 2019? I don't think that's going to happen. And that's not to be a negative person. It's just, this is a new shift in the way the labor market's acting. And I think companies, right, that are agile, that can recruit people from other talent pools, they're going to be the winners, I think, in this market. That's how I'm looking at it. Right. So 2022 is has basically been the year of like missing workers, the labor force participation. Exactly. And but in fact, this is the labor market paradox that we were wondering about um, really since 2021, I think, where we thought, oh, we've lost however many millions of people were made redundant on the first wave of pandemic and lockdown. The anticipation was, oh, these people would be desperate to come back. And we found actually that they weren't coming back. And lots of reasons why not. People didn't want to do the types of jobs that would be uh, either physically expose them to things like COVID. COVID's a right. big deal. And, you know, if you're if you're suddenly doing a job where you're interfacing with human beings again, you've got to recalculate whether you want to do this. And I think sectorally, the, the, the hardest places to recruit are actually those types of work where it is in person. There's no flexibility, number one, but there's also proximity uh, to other people. And, you know, do you really want to do that job anymore? Absolutely. So. And hung to your point, sorry, like retail industry, for example, like we have retail clients that, you know, they're having a challenge, right? Finding people to come into those brick and mortar stores. You know, everybody's shopping online, obviously, or nobody wants to be there in person. If I can find a job that pays 15 to $18 an hour and I can stay at home, why would I go inside of a store, right? And be that sales associate. I mean, it's all about cost benefits, right? Everybody's an economist. We're all making decisions on the margins, right? Cost benefits constantly. 100%. And I love that sort of term. Uh, everyone is an economist. And that Absolutely. is what the empower yourself. <laughs> but that's actually the basis of what economists do, uh, economy, uh, uh, sort of uh, 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 the, the entire discipline um, is based on the idea that human beings do cost benefit analysis. Uh, and even though we might have over egged the rational man thesis, the reality is it's very hard to, to get someone to do something that they don't think is in their interests. Exactly. Um, so, so, so yeah, it's like if you have a remote job that offering you similar or better, mm -hmm. there's okay. very little incentive to do it. And, and in fact, increased cost of living, of course, that's something that's borne by the worker. Um, you know, if you're driving a car, you need to drive to a certain place. Any increase per mile uh, in terms of how much that costs, that's taking it off your pay. Um, you know, you're not going, you're not getting increasing wage in, in order to, to do that job. So suddenly it makes less sense for you to do that thing again because it brings right. down your, your cash. Exactly. Uh, and then the other points I'll make really quickly is that, you know, globally speaking, there's higher unemployment rates for like all the countries. Um, you know, in the U.S., it's not as bad, but we still have like a 4.1 percent projection for 2023. But here's the thing, though, right? These central banks, they're increasing their interest rates, right, to, you know, get everything down, you know, with respect to inflation will have higher unemployment. But here's a silver lining. The people that are unemployed are the people that don't have a job but are actively looking for a job. So you in talent acquisition, you who are a recruiter, those are the people that you can go to to fill the vacancies. That's the silver lining. Here's a negative part. The people not in the labor force. Like I looked at last month's BLS for the United States. We have 100.2 million Americans not in the labor force. That has gone up by a lot. And this... Um, is just continuing to beg the question, like, what can we do to get these people to come back, right? Do we give them transit subsidies? Do we help them with caregiving? Um, is it issues with mental health? I think your prior guest, I loved her comments. I, I think a lot of the data that I look at, people on LinkedIn, Twitter, it's like 
companies haven't moved forward enough. You know, actions speak louder than words. You can say a lot of stuff, right? But if you're not doing it, then maybe why would I work for you, right? Why are you the employer of choice? So people are really thinking about those factors. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And um, the I think as a society, we need to examine this. Like if people don't actually want to do work um, for pay, but if they don't see the benefit of doing so, we need to fundamentally re-examine it. Uh, and I agree the certain things that, you know, um, uh, you know the, the, the stick approach, you know, the, 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 the forcing of people to come back. It's like, okay, what is that going to produce? You're going to produce demotivated people that resent okay. having to do this. Um, that's going to lead to all kinds of social uh, manifestations down the track that society will have to deal with, you know. Um, so can there be a better way? Uh, is it the responsibility of companies to find that way? Is it the mm-hmm. responsibility of, 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 of the state to do more or less? Um, all of these things, I think, then translate into these political conflicts and cultural conflicts that we then see as well. Um, uh, in, in terms of the, uh, uh, the, the, the sort of... Uh, the, uh, actually, two questions for you. In fact, we're going to get to the two questions in, in a moment, uh, Sarah. But before we do that, let's have a think about sort of where you think it's going to be in 2023. I know we should do projections later. Maybe we're, we're, there's a show on that, by the way, on the 6th of January. But well, just to uh, preempt it a little bit. But how do you see uh, the Fed rate rises? Are they, are they going to continue in, in this way? I know they've risen, but not as high as anticipated. Are we I- seeing the end of these rate rate raises or what? I think in the U.S. at least, I'll speak for the U.S. because I know that market the best. I think the rates will go up a little bit more. Again, we're at 7.1% annualized inflation for the U.S. They have a 2% target. But, you know, I think it's going to eventually stop maybe like March, April. I mean, I think it has to, you know, that whole soft landing. I really don't buy it. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic today. Sorry. But I feel like it's going to be a little hard. Um, That's just my take, at least for the U.S. Yeah, I think so. And by the way, the US is obviously super relevant because basically, we, um, especially as the US, basically, um, a lot of companies have their debt, have their transactions denominated, obviously, in USD. Uh, therefore, it makes a difference if that becomes um, uh, if the rates go higher. It's no surprise everyone else is sticking rates up also. Um, and therefore, all of that inflationary pressure cascades around across the the planet. Um, I think in the UK, uh, obviously, I, I'm not sure there's like many countries uh, quite in as in a, in a stranger situation as the UK because we've got multiple issues going on. Loads of strike actions, for instance, is also occurring. Um, this is, of course, because of inflation and and you know people are not being paid enough. Uh, but then you pay people enough, and then the argument is that just increases inflation. So exactly. you know we, we, we're in a yeah, we're in a bit of a doom loop. So very interesting it is. Okay, uh, Sarah, um, we've got to move on real quick. Uh, give us the, the answers to two questions. Number one, what is the thing that really has, uh, you've learned uh, lesson-wise this year? And what is the thing that um, has been the best thing that's happened for you this yeah. year? For number one, I think for me as an economist, I think it's been a humbling year. Um, You know, for me, I love learning information, but I think as an economist, some of our models are flawed. I will not pretend that we were right about COVID and the projections and so forth. But I think it's interesting that I've learned so much more about different data sources, but also how to leverage qualitative data in my storytelling. I'm a big quant person, as you know, Hung, but it's like, okay, there's more to the story, right? There's more to those numbers. There's people, there's, there's, um, you know, context. So that's been fun for me. And then for me, in terms of what 
what I've done that's been the most interesting. I think traveling the world this past year, you know, got to meet you as well in London. But for me, the highlight was Mexico. I went there for a Bikram yoga retreat. So I don't know if any of your viewers or listeners do Bikram yoga, the old school, you know, 26 postures, 105 degrees. So I got to do that in Mexico. It was one of my bucket list items. And I now want to do yoga certification as a hobby. So that's that's outside of economics. We'll see, there we go. That's what we want to hear about great achievements. Um, so, Sari, it was a pleasure to meet you as well, and hopefully we'll get the chance to do that next year. Um, thank you so much for everything you're doing and your massive contributions to uh, the industry. Um, and, uh, and yeah, um, I guess hopefully we'll, 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 we'll be in touch and hopefully we'll catch up next year. Absolutely. So, uh, happy so holidays to you. Hope you have a good break and a very happy new year. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next year, Sarah. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, wasn't she great? Dr. Sarah Ali, make sure you follow her. Okay, Irina, I'd love to bring you back, but I realize the time, we're well over time. People are away. They need to go and see their family. I have actually got to get on a train, uh, so I've got to leave myself as well. Uh, so anyway, listen, folks, thank you so much for uh, watching Breakthrough Live on air. Thank you so much for listening to it. I know a lot of people listen to this on podcast. Um, we'll be back next year. We're going to give it a week's break um, because we're not going to do anything new year. Next show is going to be January the 6th. Uh, that is when we are going to be talking about um, the forecast, forecasting 2023. What is going to happen in the world of recruitment? Uh, again, a bunch of amazing guests to come on. Uh, Irina, absolutely. We'll bring you on for the forecast, maybe. Well, I think you're on holiday. I don't know. Um, 6th of January. That's when we're doing it. Uh, so let's do it then. Um, uh, uh, let me uh, leave the final moment to say happy uh, uh, holidays to everyone. Um, hope you have the uh, an opportunity to take a break. Um, if you have family and you enjoy spending time with them, I hope you uh, have a very good time with those folks. If you have other plans, um, I hope that they're going to go great as well. Um, uh, thank you for everyone for supporting uh, Brain Food, uh, and we'll see you in 2023. Thanks for watching, folks.